Good morning, Praise Center Church. I am so glad and thrilled to be with you all. Pastor Agus, once again, thank you for your friendship over the years and allowing me to be part of your family and your community. Lillian, uh, thank you so much uh, for just for for everything and your family, uh, Edwin, Ruth, and the children, Bill and Grace, and of course, Becca. I really love your worship. And I just want to say, uh, miss you all. For those of you that, that are part of the church who at one time hosted myself and Ida when we were there and hoping that we can actually fly there to be with you all. But this will do for, for today. And we're going to be looking at the prayer of Jesus in John 17. So before we dive into the scriptures, I'd like us to pause and, and really take this time to pray and ask God's blessing for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for Thank you for your, your grace upon our lives. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God will say. And we give you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. And so we're going to look at John um, chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. And you can just all follow along with us as you read it on the screen. So I'd like to read verse 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is a beautiful prayer. Anybody here have been in a, in a dinner, dinner time or dinner table and you were about to say something that was really, really important. And the context of this in John 17 was really a time when Jesus had uh, uh, last meal with his disciples in the upper room. And they were having dinner. They were probably having um, chicken soup and they were having their chapati or I don't know what, what other food that they would normally have during this, this meal. No, But they, they were having this meal and Jesus was basically uh, warning them what was about to take place. And he was telling them, can you imagine that he was telling them over dinner that he was about to depart? That he, he was he was telling them and warning them that you know guys I'm 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 gonna go, and he was also telling them in this conversation in this dinner can you imagine in this dinner, and and Jesus was telling them hey guys I'm going, and the world will be uh, rather the people will persecute you, and some of you will be kicked out of the synagogue, and he, he was telling all of this can you imagine they were probably sipping their soup and they they were clueless of everything that Jesus was about to tell them. And in this conversation, Jesus actually predicted that Peter was going to uh, Peter was going to deny him. And so this was the whole conversation of John 13, 14, 15, and 16. 
And then it goes all to the prayer in John 17. Now, in all of this, in, in this conversation, Jesus actually told them that I will not leave you as orphans. And at this time, he actually introduced the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was going to be with them, the helper, the paraclete, that whatever they, that whatever trouble that they were going to go through, the Holy Spirit will be with them. And so he, he was, he was giving this, this background and he was giving all the scenario that was about to come. And he said that when trouble comes, don't worry, I have overcome the world. So, so they were, he, he was saying all of this and then he gets into prayer. And the interesting thing about this prayer was that, was that Jesus prayed this in front of his disciples. Now, prayer was, was a practice that Jesus did in his ministry. He would go into a solitary place to pray to his father, but you, you won't find content of that prayer. Uh, there, there was a time that the disciples actually went to Jesus and asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Maybe there was something in Jesus that they saw that made the difference. And they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. But in this particular case, Jesus was giving them uh, a, 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 a sneak preview or how he interacted with the Father in heaven and how he was praying. Because this was hours before Gethsemane. This was hours before he was going to be crucified. This was hours before, you know, his disciples was going to be scattered and, and they were, they were going to be, they were going to be, um, uh, one would deny, um, Jesus as Jesus predicted and one was going to commit suicide. So this was, this was, um, this was very interesting. And they let in Jesus actually rather Jesus let them listen to the prayer of Jesus. And so, and so we're going to look at the prayer of Jesus and John 17 was a, just the whole context of that was, was the prayer. Of course, there was a prayer for himself in verses one to five. And then you, you find in verses six to nine, six to 19, he prays for his disciples. And then in verses 20 to 26, the verses we just read today, he prays for all the believers. So for our lesson for today, I'm going to look at three prayer points of Jesus. So let's look at this. Let's look at verse 20 once again. He said this, my prayer is not for them alone, referring to his disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Prayer point number one of Jesus. Jesus prayed for those that will believe through the ministry of the disciples. I I, I find this very interesting because he prays that, that, that people will believe through the ministry of the disciples, the current disciples. Now, did Jesus know that this disciples was going to betray him, was going to be scattered? This team that was very insecure, very unstable. And yet Jesus actually said that, that people will actually believe through the ministry of the disciples, the ministry of the word. He saw that this disciples, the, he saw the potential of the disciples. He knew that this disciples will be the ones that will change the world. Now, we all know a few hours later, and if you look at it from just looking at the story, you're kind of, Jesus, did you, were you really thinking that this people, that this people that you raised up will re- literally change the world? I mean, I mean, sometimes if you look at Jesus and sometimes you think, Jesus, are you really 
a great leader. And yet Jesus actually believed in these disciples. And so he prays to his father, Lord, I pray for those that will believe through their preaching, through the message. You see, when God calls us, he already factored in our failures. Actually, Jane Hammond, in one of her posts, she said this, when God called you, he already factored in our stupidity. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He knew, Jesus knew that the, 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 the disciples would fail. He knew that the disciples would, in a few hours, would scatter. And yet he calls them. Isn't that interesting? For you and I, he knew we had weaknesses. He knew we, that we were going to make mistakes, and yet he calls us. And so I find that very, very interesting. I, I, I find just Jesus seeing the potential and having faith in his disciples. And it's the same way with us. Jesus, when he looks at us, he sees faith. He sees the, the possibilities and potential that we have in him. Now, I don't know if I, I mentioned this in this setting, but I found this right. I found this right up about a fictional consulting agency that did a series of tests on the disciples. And this was their letter, their make-believe letter to Jesus. Let me read it to, to, to you guys. To Jesus, son of Joseph, woodcrafter, carpenter shop, Nazareth, from Jordan Management Consultants. Dear sir, thank you for submitting resumes of the 12 men you have picked for the management positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests. We not only ran, ran the results through our computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. It is our opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept, we would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience in managerial ability and proven capability. And then he names the disciples. Simon Peter is unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. <laughs> James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, definitely have radical leanings, and they registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. Simon the Zealot, having pronounced terrorist leanings, leanings would blow apart the harmony of the team. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He's a man of great ability and resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, and has contacts in high places. He's highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. All of the other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you every success in your new venture. Sincerely yours, Jordan Management Consultants. Isn't that, isn't that funny? He does not choose the equip, but he equips the chosen. Jesus prayed for his disciples, future ministry, that the message that they will preach will cause revival. 
And so, and so even though what, even though you may have a negative background, even though you may find yourself not, not, not in that place of, of, you know, of, you know, perfection, so to speak, God still will use you. And so that was the prayer of Jesus. He prayed for his disciples, future ministry. The second prayer that Jesus prayed for was this. You find in verse 21, 22, and 23. And you'll find a common phrase. Like in verse 21, it says that all of them may be one. And then in verse 22, he says that they may be one as we are one. And then in verse 23, he says, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The second prayer point of Jesus is this. Jesus prayed for complete unity. You know, when, when, when Jesus was praying for unity, it, it, it's a picture that I see in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. When he, he was probably envisioning the great multitude before the throne of God of every tribe, every nation, every race, every language, just the variety of color and the distinctiveness of, of every nation coming together as one. You know, you are um, from Indonesia that live in Melbourne, Australia. I'm Filipino that live here in Manila. I mean, when I go to different countries, I am so intrigued by the culture, by the differences of, of, of the way we think, the way we talk, the accents, when we talk English, but because if you come from a different part of the world, you, 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 you really, you, you find the distinctiveness of the accent. And so I, I love it. But when we go to heaven, the vision of Jesus is to see all of these differences and color coming together as one. So this was the prayer of Jesus. He was praying that, that all the disciples may be one, that they would come to complete unity. Now, when, when, when Jesus was praying for unity, you tend to wonder, Lord, are you, is this prayer being answered? Because in our day and age today, there's so much disunity. There's so much um, division in the house. But I firmly believe that this is the prayer of Jesus. And I believe that this prayer of Jesus will be answered. And so, and so when we, when we look at this, when we look at this unity, how do we accomplish this unity? Well, Jesus tells us how. He says, he says, we are united because of the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. He said that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So Jesus prayed that their unity would follow the pattern of the unity of the Godhead or the Trinity. Okay, God the Son, God the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Did you know that within the Trinity is community? The reason why we understand community is because of the Trinity, because the Trinity practices what it means to have true community. And I got this quote from the ESV Bible talking about the Trinity. It said this, the Trinity, within God, there is both unity and diversity. Unity without uniformity and diversity without division. Now, a lot of misunderstanding comes when unity is seen as uniformity. It's almost like when I, what I, when I mean by uniformity is that the, the tendency we think of unity is you wear the same shirt. Okay, okay. today we're going to all wear the same color of shirt. 
Okay, today we're gonna say the same thing, and then today we're gonna. Well, it, it, it's almost like we're gonna parrot everything. Jesus wasn't talking about parroting everything. Jesus wasn't talking about a unity that everybody has to look the same, wear the same, walk the same, or even think the same. That's not the kind of unity that Jesus was talking about. We, what Jesus was talking about was being one in the midst of our distinctiveness, being one in Christ, being one in spirit, even though we may think differently. Um, true unity is diversified, but not divided. True unity is really of the spirit. You know, I, I, that's why I appreciate the, just my time with, with Pastor Agus and, and your church and the church, the church that I belong. And, and by the way, I'm starting a brand new church and the name of our church is Roots Community. And I, I came from a, a ministry called Victory. I love Victory. Uh, Bishop Dre, just the pastors of, of Victory. We are one in spirit. They are family forever. Pastor Agus and the church there in Australia, I've, I've gotten to know you. We're one in spirit. We have different names, but we're one. Your emphasis and the way you operate is different. Just as victory will have a different emphasis, just as now that I'm starting this brand new ministry that I'm doing will be very prophetic. It's different, but we are one. What makes us one? What makes us one is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. And the Apostle Paul alluded to this in, and if you read the, the, his letter to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he talks about the, the body as one. But he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about the gifts and the variety of gifts that's given to a local church. I'd like to read uh, a just a passage here in 1 Corinthians 12, 46. He said, now, there are a variety of gifts. Take note of that word, variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Or you can just say that one spirit. And there are a varieties of service, but the same Lord or one Lord. But there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. The same way with unity. There are a variety of gifts, a variety of, of how we look and how we operate but we are one. We are all part of the large body of Christ, but we all have different names, different ministries, but we are united because we love God and we have the Spirit of God. We're praying and Jesus is praying for complete unity. And this unity must be founded in love. And that's the very glue that makes us one. And, you know, I, I, I loved the people in, in our community and I love and walk with the people in victory for many years, for over 30 years. And my love for them will never be diminished. My love for them will not fade. They are family to me. And now Pastor Agus and myself, we're going to be family. I look to you as family. You're my friends. We are one. And you see what really makes us attractive to the world. Yes, the message that we preach, yes, the preaching that we that, that will continue on. But you know what you know what makes us very attractive to the people outside, outside of our churches, is love. Love is the very thing that will attract the world. 
In fact, I've heard somebody say before that love is the greatest apologetics. I mean, we can say all the nice words. We can have the most accurate messages, you know, good illustrations. But if we don't love each other, then Paul talks about it, then we're just a clanging symbol. We're just, just, we're just noise. But when we love, when our unity is founded in love, the world will know that we are truly his disciples. So Jesus prays for complete unity. And I pray, pray centered. You are one. Each one will have different, different um, way of doing things. You have different giftings. I'm glad that not everybody's a Jojo Henson. Aren't you glad that not everybody is, a, is like Pastor Agus Budiman? We're all different, but we're one. Pray center, you're one. But we are all one in a larger body of Christ. Number three, number three prayer point of Jesus. We're going to look at verse 24. It says here, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory and the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Number three prayer point of Jesus is this. Jesus prayed for the disciples to see his glory. That was his prayer. He prayed that the, the disciples would see his glory. Now, glory by definition in the Greek is doxa in the Greek. In the Hebrew, it is it is actually called kavod. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and it, uh, it just basically means, uh, it means importance. It means weight. It means respect. It actually means heaviness. What does that mean? What does it mean that, that for his disciples to see his glory? What, what he essentially was practically saying to his disciples, he prays that the disciples would see the weightiness of, of Christ. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say if you had a, you had a, um, a glass of water and then you, you have this piece of rock and the rock is heavy and you put it inside this glass of water, what happens? Water will be displaced. So when God comes into our lives, and when something heavier comes into our lives, guess what? There are some things in our lives will be displaced. Priorities will be arranged in our lives. When God comes into our life, when the glory of Jesus comes into our lives, when we begin to see the glory, the heaviness, and the weightiness of who He is, it changes us. It's no longer about just knowing about Jesus. There's a lot of people that know about Jesus, but when Jesus, when the glory of Jesus, when we see the glory of Jesus and, and it comes into our lives, guess what? Everything is rearranged in our lives. Now, if you're here today, you can attest to this. When Jesus came into your life, when the glory of Jesus, when you saw Jesus, it changed your life. And so he was praying that, for the disciples, that they would see his glory. He was praying for the future disciples, that they would not just hear Jesus, you know, in our day and age today, and, and sometimes we can talk about Jesus, but their lives never changed because they never had a revelation of the glory or the weightiness of Jesus. And so he was praying that may this Jesus who comes into our lives, and when that weight of his glory comes in, 
And when we see that, guess what? It changes us. Our calling, all of a sudden, we understand calling. All of a sudden, we understand priorities. All of a sudden, we understand obedience. Because guess what? Because somebody weightier and heavier has come into our lives. So he prays for the disciples to see his glory. And I believe that that, that prayer still continues today. This three prayer points of Jesus still continues to this day. That we would have encounters with the living God. That we would have this, this life-changing experience with Jesus. And not just head knowledge, but really an experience that we have in Him. And then as we conclude this, and then He prays, verses 25 and 26, He prays this prayer. He says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know you that you have sent me. Look at verse 26. He said this, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I, 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 just, I, just, I just love the language that he uses. Once again, I don't have time to dive deep into all of this, but he calls God Father. But, but Jesus said here, I have made you known to them. My prayer is that we would, we would know the God that Jesus revealed in the Gospels. Did you know that Jesus, yes, we all know that Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. That's a given. But did you know that Jesus walked the earth to reveal the Father to us? And one of the things that he, he revealed to the world was God as Father. And you'll find that in his prayer. He calls God righteous Father. I pray that we would fall in love with the God that Jesus revealed. You see, the God that Jesus revealed is a God of love, is a God who's gracious. Yes, he was also the God of wrath, but he was a God of compassion. He was a father to all of us. And so he said, he said that I have made you known, but he said, but I will continue to make you known. But how does he do that? He, he was about to depart. Did you know that he continued his ministry through his disciples and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you find that in the book of Acts. Jesus continued to make the Father known through the Holy Spirit and through us as we preach the gospel. He continues to move in power. And so if you look at this prayer of Jesus, it's, it is very, very interesting. It's, a, it's an amazing prayer. It shows the intimacy of Jesus and the Father. And so he prayed just in, to summarize all of this. He prayed for, he prayed, oh, number, number one, he prayed for, he prayed for those that will believe through the ministry of the disciples. He was talking, he was praying for us and his prayer prevailed in the life of the disciples. And I believe that his prayer will prevail even over our lives. And then he prays for complete unity. We may not see it completely yet, but it will happen. And then lastly, he prays. He prays for this third prayer. He says he prays for his disciples to see his glory, to see the magnificence of who God is, of who Jesus is. And so I'd like us to pray uh, as we close this time. And I pray that we as, as a community, as a church, we continue to make him known in our world today. 
So let's close our eyes and, and bow our heads and, 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 and ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Father in heaven, I, I thank you for this moment, oh God, that you've given us, Lord, to pray and to, and to examine the, the prayer of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you would, you would um, give us, Lord, a revelation of all this prayer, Father God. Lord, I pray, Father God, that, Lord, that we would, that we would continue to do your ministry, Lord God, in the earth, oh God. No matter how imperfect we may be, but Lord, that you're going to use us, oh God. Our flaws, our imperfections, oh God. But you're going to cause people to believe and come to faith as a result of our ministry, oh God. And so, Lord, I pray, God, for complete unity, Lord God. I pray for Australia. I know that so much is happening in Australia with some of the big churches there in Australia. But, Lord, I pray that there would be unity there in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, also, Lord God, that we would, that, Lord, that we would see your glory in the name of Jesus. Let me, let me just pray just a prophetic prayer for Pastor Agus and, and Lillian, even as we close in prayer. Father, I pray for Pastor Agus and Lillian. I thank you, Father God, that they have been connectors in the body of Christ. And I sense, Pastor Agus, that the Lord has been pleased with you. The past two years, you have been one who's been a connector with different ministries and different pastors. You've been like a bridge builder. And I want you to know, my son, that you're going to continue to be a, a bridge to different ministries that's been in fights and in the midst of division and walls. And the Lord wants you to know that I'm pleased, my son. And you're going to find yourself uh, in place in difficult situation, but don't be afraid. I'm going to grant you wisdom. You're going to begin to solve different issues in churches. And many times, my son, you, you've been content to be in your community. But I want you to know, my son, even in the next year, you're going to be, be in places where you're going to bring solutions to different ministries. And you're going to find yourself even sharper in your apostolic and prophetic anointing. And so, Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you would just anoint Pastor Agus more than ever. And I just pray for, for Pastor Ruth. Ruth, you know, um, I've watched you a few times in, in the video. Do not be afraid, says the Lord, because you're going you're gonna to sense a weight that you're, you're going to carry even in the house, even in the church. But I want you to know, says the Lord, I'm going to send the Aaron's and the hers to lift burdens uh, off you and they're gonna they're gonna carry it with you and i want you to know edwin i'm pleased with you in your simple way you carry such a spirit of wisdom there's some things that you see that a lot of people don't see you have a perspective that sometimes people don't see do not be afraid to speak speak it forth and so lord i, I just pray a, just a blessing for for edwin and ruth oh god bill you know um, I, I never met you but 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 I know grace, grace is very prophetic. But the hand of God is upon you, Bill. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm right now, um, the, the Lord is uh, promoting you, says the Lord. I'm promoting you. And there's going to be like a shuffle. And I, I, I don't know, I, I just feel like there's going to be like a, a new hat that you're going to wear in whatever the job that you are in. And there, there is talk of promotion for you.
And you're going to have encounters with God in the new way. In grace, the Lord, the Lord says that you're going to find yourself dreaming even more, says the Lord. Your prophetic gift has not winged. And many times you look at yourself as, Lord, this prophetic gift, I, I feel like it, it, it's not as, 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 uh, use. I haven't been using it as I wanted, but you're going to see yourself even moving in the prophetic even more this year. And Becca, I want you to know the Lord is pleased with you exceedingly. There's favor upon favor upon you. I just sense there's going to be travel that's going to be upon you. And you're going to find yourself even uh, being greater. There's going to be two, three worship leaders that's going to come from your from your ministry. And and so I, I speak a blessing for for this church, my dear friends. And thank you, Lord God, for, for our time today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I hope that this message helped you.